We've been working our way through the Psalms, I think, for, I think it's been three years now, at least uh, three summers, and we take the summer and, and go through the Psalms. And uh, this is the final Psalm of this summer that we are going to tackle, Psalm 23. Uh, I, I started this and uh, we, we thought, let's, let's go deeper than we initially had thought when we're going a verse at a time. So we've covered two weeks. We've covered verse 1 and verse 2 in this psalm, and we're moving in now to verse 3. And what I love about verse 3, verse 3 has to do with God's righteousness and his, and his name, his great name. And, and it seems to be a hub or a center of this passage. It kind of is the gravitational pull, and it all focuses in here or comes out of this spot. What you see is that uh, in the first couple of verses, you see this good, amazing, loving God, that he is good, that he is compassionate, that he nourishes, that he refreshes that he restores the soul, and in him we find our rest. And then we see that there's this righteousness of God, that he leads us on right paths for his name. See, him being good, him being compassionate, him nourishing our soul is all about his name, that he is good. And then from that, out of that stems more of this passage that we'll read in the, in the coming weeks. But what, what we see is that from this idea of his righteousness and his good name, we see that in him that we are saved, that, that he gives us victory and his victory over us is celebrated and that his love will endure forever. You see, the Psalm, 20, 23rd Psalm is all about him. It's all about him as the good shepherd, the caring good God, the righteous God and king who will have final victory and all glory and honor is deserved to go on him. So that's what we see today. So the question is, where, where is he leading us, right? And we started that last week. Uh, the shepherd, the good shepherd leads us. And, and he led us last week, we saw into this rest and rejuvenation. And today we're seeing that he's leading us on right paths or paths of righteousness. So that's where we're gonna be today. I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna read our passage of scripture and we'll get right into it. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for you. We're so grateful that you love us and, and God, that you meet us here. God, we desire to worship you. We desire to, to learn from you. God, we ask that you would be elevated, that, that God, we would see and make much of Jesus. God, as we, as we read your word, may you open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to it. We want to be challenged and changed and God, reshaped and conformed in the image of Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd. God, as we look to him as the shepherd, may we follow our shepherd. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon title is Following the Shepherd. Following the Shepherd. I'll read Psalm chapter 23. I'll read all of it. And again, as, as I read this, I'd love for you to just stop what you're doing to, to even maybe glance away from your Bible and, and the way you've thought it through or heard it over and over. And I'd like you just to set aside that for a minute and listen and really let God's word penetrate your heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his namesake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. 
Again, a really rich text, and I, I hope that, uh, like, like the uh, Lord's Prayer, this is one of those passages that tends to kind of get lost because we've heard it so many times, and we've recited it so many times, we've sung it so many times, it gets kind of numb, we get numb to it and, and disconnected from it. Let's get back into the richness of this and see what God would have for us. So we're looking at following the shepherd. And what does that mean? Well, we see the first part of verse 3 is where we're going to focus today, and we kind of tagged that last week as well. But verse, uh, verse 3 says, He renews my life. So following the shepherd, number one, restores our soul. Following the shepherd restores our soul. He renews my life. Now, I, I want to make sure we understand this clearly. I, I mentioned this last week, and it's so important for us to grasp this as we look through this text. One is this. As we look at a psalm like this, there is a lot of false comfort put in this psalm by people who do not have the Lord Jesus as their shepherd. Listen, if, if Jesus Christ is not your shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd. If he's not your shepherd, then there is no comfort for you in Psalm 23. And my encouragement, my, my, I, I would implore you to put faith in Jesus Christ, to, to make him your shepherd, and then find the comfort of this psalm. Find the comfort in the, in the rest of your soul as you place your soul in Jesus' hands, as he restores your soul and renews your life. But the second thing is this, as, there's a difference. As we, as we look to the shepherd, as we follow the shepherd, uh, oftentimes we, we get to this place where there's green pastures and there's still and quiet waters and we want to find the refreshment and nourishment that we feel like we've always needed. There's a big difference between us going to the fields and being nourished going to the waters and taking a drink, being around these other sheep that seem to be pure and have their stuff figured out a little bit. There's a big difference between those circumstances and actually looking at the shepherd. You see, we can't just go to green pastures. We can't just go to the water and find life. We can't just go around other sheep and find life. We can't just go to a church and sing songs that make us feel emotionally good and have life. We must have the shepherd. See, the good shepherd, he restores my life. He renews my life. It is not about the grass. It is not about the water. It is not about the, the pews and the songs and the sheep. It is all about the shepherd who brings and gives life. There's a huge difference there. and It would be, it would be so wise for us to, to really look at the shepherd and find life in him, not fabricate life somewhere else. I want to read a passage of scripture from Psalm 51, and actually it's the entire Psalm 51. There's so much meat here. There's so much we see about the shepherd and how he cares for us and, and what our response ought to be. It's not just that I'm going to occupy space in his pastures or beside quiet waters, but I'm actually going to go to him for the rest that I need. Here, here's Psalm 51. David writes this. He says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. This is a shepherd who cares for his sheep. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious about my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty before I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely, you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. 
Turn your face away from my sin and blot out all of my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and the sinners will return to you. Save me from the, from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered at your altar. Now, just a couple of things. The progression we see here is amazing. We see the love of God through this, his abundant compassion, his righteousness, his blamelessness. He desires integrity. And the psalmist says, teach me wisdom. Right? There's this turning that happens. He, he says, purify me with hyssop. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. You see, as a sheep, you and I need to understand that we are unclean. We are helpless. We, we have nothing without our shepherd. The only renewal we're going to find is renewal in him through repentant faith. That we'd understand and see deeply how sinful we have been and how sinful we are and how deep our need is for him, for Christ alone. And then he purifies us. He, there's this love and then we turn our hearts towards him and he purifies us and he makes us new. He renews me. The psalmist says, created me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restored me, right? Restore the joy of my salvation. There's this restoration renewal process that happens from God. And then as that happens, there's an overflow. The psalmist goes in, and I know that's kind of the next point we're going to, but so we, we, we are renewed by the shepherd. As we follow the shepherd, he renews our life. He restores our life, our soul. But out of that, that, his lips speak and sing about his righteousness. His mouth will declare his praise. And it goes from that even further on. It's about God's name being made known. I think David hit the nail on the head with that, and he understands it clearly in Psalm 23 as well. In the shepherd's great love and care, he has caused renewal and restoration through repentant faith. And we should now want to follow him everywhere he leads and make much of him. That leads us to number two. Following the shepherd means that we will be led. Following the shepherd means we will be led. Psalm 23.3, he renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. He leads me. Now, there's a progression here that we've seen develop through this psalm. Uh, first, we receive nourishment and refreshment from the Lord. Right? He satisfies us. That nourishment is from his word and from his spirit. And it, and it provides that spiritual renewal that we need. And then spiritual renewal in, ensures that we will follow the Lord in righteousness. See, once we've been refreshed and renewed, not on our own accord. See, we'll never be able to, to make it. We'll never be able to, to add up. Jesus is all we need, and, and so he does it. And we'll see that in a few minutes, too, as David talks about his righteousness. But this, this progression moves us through, through the process of, of repentance and coming to Christ for refreshment and nourishment and life and renewal. And then that renewal springs up inside of us, and then what will follow is, is you and I following him in obedience. We don't go to him as the well and drink and then leave and go do our own thing. We stay there and, and eat because he is the bread of life. We don't follow 
Christ blindly or aimlessly either. We, we know that he is trustworthy. While we may not know the destination, we know he is trustworthy because he is our life. So a question to think about this, and we've asked this many times before, do you follow Christ or in your life are you asking Christ to follow you? You know, we're sheep, and you think about this analogy as, as sheep to a shepherd. Uh, the sheep that decide to do their own thing and say, well, maybe the other sheep will follow me. Maybe, maybe the shepherd will follow me as well. Uh, have another thing coming. There's, there's danger where they're going. They're, they're wayward. They're wandering away out of safety, out of bounds, out of the care of the shepherd. The shepherd knows best. It's like that with our kids. I know for my kids and, and, and all the time, we, we have their best interests at heart as parents. And so we instruct them, we guide them, we give them wise counsel of where to go and what they should do because maybe we've been there before or we have a clue. But oftentimes our little ones go their own direction and what they find there is, is the school of hard knocks. They learn lessons that we wish they wouldn't have learned that way and they would have just listened. Jesus is like that too and we are wayward sheep. We turn our own way. We go our own direction. We, we become sheep and say, oh, I, I'm a sheep now in the shepherd's fold. And then I say, well, why, why don't you follow me? I think I have an idea of where I'm going. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're, you're on your own path. You're, you're cutting new tracks. All the while, Jesus is there saying, why don't you come follow me? I've got a better idea of where, where you should be going. We see this passage in Proverbs 3. Chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it's one we've memorized before many times, but I want you to hear this. It's not about being wayward sheep. It's not about relying on my own thoughts or my own direction or my own, my own counsel, saying, I've got this figured out. Surely I know I'll go the right way. It's not always that way. The Scripture says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Don't rely on your own path. Don't rely on your own, own solution. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. It says, in all your ways, know him. I love that because it ties into that John 10 passage where, where his, the sheep know him, the shepherd. In all your ways, know him. Know that he is good. Know that he is kind. Know that he is gracious and compassionate. Know that he can be followed and he will lead us in the ways that are right. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. That's an amazing promise we have from the shepherd. We may not fully understand where we're going. Now, that's a nice way of putting it, too. You may not fully understand. We say that because uh, when saying that, it kind of assumes, though, that we get most of it. Like, I, I get most of what's going on here, God, but I, I don't know about this and this. So I'll just follow you. In reality, we may be completely blind to most of what's coming ahead of us. But the shepherd knows. He's got us covered. He's leading us on right Pass. And listen, friends, I, I need you to understand this. Not a single step of this journey is wasted. Not a single step of this journey is wasted. We must follow where Jesus leads us. Well, we may not know why we're there or, or where we're going. Jesus is our shepherd, and he will always lead us on right paths. It's amazing the life we have in him and the sustenance and the nourishment we have in him. And the satisfaction we have in him, why would we turn somewhere else? He said, I'm the bread of life. You come to me, you'll never be hungry again. You'll never thirst again. I want to follow him. He spoke about, I am the bread of life. He also said something else in John 8. He said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me 
We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. Not only will we have our sustenance and, and totally satisfied in him as the bread of life, he is the light of the world. So as we follow him, the, the path is going to be clear in front of us. There will be light there. And, and part of that is this. In darkness, as we walk in darkness, there is a weight and a burden that creeps in, isn't there? Darkness seems like its own weight upon us. But as we follow the good shepherd who is the light of the world, that load, that burden lightens off our shoulders and says, you know what, I, I can trust him. I can trust where he leads. I can trust that he is good. I can trust that he is kind and compassionate and I will follow him. We want to rest in him and, and anticipate his faithful love. I want to read a passage out of Psalm chapter 143. Wonderful passage of scripture here. It starts in verse 8 and goes through 10. It says this, let me experience, and this is the anticipation. I want, I want us to get this. When we wake up in the morning, we may not have a clue where we're going. We may not have any of this figured out. We may be full of anxiety about what may occur today. And, and granted, that there's a lot of stuff that could happen. Our, our world is so crazy right now. And the things going on, we, we can't even see straight. We can't, even, we, we can't hear straight. We don't even know what's happening. So when we get up in the morning, it's so much more important for us to focus on our shepherd. So here's what the psalmist writes. In that anticipa anticipation, he says, Let me experience your faithful love in the morning, for I trust in you. It's an amazing statement. I hope that you can say it. I hope I can say that every morning. God, I'm going to get up. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter the anxiety I feel, let me experience your faithful love in the morning. For I trust in you. Reveal to me the way that I should go because I appeal to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I come to you for protection. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. This cry to God in the, in the morning for his mercy and for his grace and for his faithful love and for his guidance on level ground should be the cry of our heart as sheep. He is our shepherd, and as a shepherd, we are, we are going to follow our shepherd as sheep, but we have to get in that position to be led by him and cry out to him for his faithful love in the morning to reveal to me the way, to rescue me, to teach me, and to lead me. Following the shepherd means we must be led. Are you leadable? Are you humble? Are you trusting the Lord? Number three, as this verse goes on in Psalm 23, following the shepherd is about his righteousness, not ours. It's about his righteousness, not ours. You know, it's interesting too. Here's what he says. He says, he renews my life. He leads me along right paths or on paths of righteousness, other translations say. And he does it for his name's sake. This is not only about external morality. I need you to understand that. This is not only about you getting your act together and following the narrow, narrow road. Although Jesus wants us to follow him on the narrow road. But it's not about your power to do that, your power to be moral, your power to get it all together and, and to walk that straight line. It's about his righteousness. He wants to change our hearts. And a changed heart will then produce changed behavior. I've been teaching a midweek study uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday nights here for the last two weeks. You can catch up with that on, on the online content whenever you want. But uh, in, we've been going over John 10. And in John 10, 
it's talking about Jesus as the good shepherd. And in that passage, it says he, he lays down his life for the sheep. And he says, he, he says that three times. I lay down my life for the sheep. So when we talk about right paths and righteousness, it's not only about external morality, although it is about choosing the right things and him leading us to those things, but it's about more than that. There's a bigger picture here. It's about his righteousness and a righteousness that we desperately, desperately need. And I say desperately because that's what sheep are. They're desperate. They're helpless. We are helpless to achieve our own righteousness, and so therefore we are desperate for his And if we're desperate for his, we should hunger and thirst for it and and run to him for it, and he will fill us with it. You see, in his righteousness, he frees us from this burden of morality, the burden of having to get it right, of having to do it all exactly as it was supposed to be planned. He frees us from the burden of sin and the burden of the law. I want to read a passage out of the book of Romans uh, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 21 through 28 together. It lays this out really, really nicely, and you can read more of this on your own. Paul writes, but now apart from the law, apart from this idea of morality and being all perfectly squared away, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. So the law and the prophets point to his righteousness. Away from yours, the law says, hey, here's all the law. You can't keep it. You need Jesus. Verse 22, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to, get this, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him, Jesus, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. This is deep, and this is amazing, that God is a righteous God, that his righteousness, he is pure and perfect and holy, and that in that righteousness, he is good and compassionate and and caring and loving, and he extends that righteousness to us because we desperately, desperately need it. We can't accomplish that through the law. The law only points out our errors, but Jesus fulfilled it all because he is righteous. And he is righteous, and then God demonstrates his righteousness by putting Jesus on the cross as a love offering for you and me. See, Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for his sheep because he is righteous. And he demonstrates that righteousness. That verse goes on. So if we have this righteousness of God, and it's, it's, it we're made righteous through faith in Christ, it says, where then is boasting? How can I say, look how good I am, right? Where is boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No, on the contrary, by one, by the law of faith. This is all about faith in Jesus Christ. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. We're justified, we're made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. So he, he is righteous. He demonstrates his righteousness by sending Christ for us. Then he extends his righteousness to us and he leads us then, and those who trust in that righteousness and faith, he then leads us on righteous paths. This righteousness that we're talking about in Psalm 23.3 is not just, hey, I'm gonna do the right thing now. There's this big picture at stake. And why do we know that? Because again, it's a gravitational pull of for his name's sake in the end of verse three. 
This is all about the glory of God, the name of God, his righteous name. He is righteous. He demonstrates his righteousness. He extends his righteousness to us and that when we trust in him and faith in his righteousness, we are saved and then he leads us on righteous paths. When we've been made righteous through faith, Christ will continue to lead us by his word and by his spirit into paths of righteousness. And listen, this is so important. God will never lead anybody in an unrighteous way. He always leads in the righteous way, which is always the way home. That's where he leads us. Because he is righteous. And because it's about his name. You think about the idea of a shepherd. and In ancient culture, uh, in this world, shepherds' reputations were so important. If you wanted to be a shepherd, you had to have a great resume. You You had to be one that was a protector and dependable and could lead sheep well. Their reputation depended on their ability to lead sheep on right paths and in the right direction. If they lost a sheep or if they lost their way, they would gain a bad reputation and they would be a worthless shepherd. Jesus is always going to lead you in the righteous way. He'll always lead you rightly and it will always be the way home. David knows the Lord's reputation and that he has the ability to guide his sheep safely home. After all, it leads us to number four. Following the shepherd is about his great name. It's about his reputation. It's about him being seen as righteous. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. Again, that's the anchor here, for the sake of his name. It's about his goodness. It's about his glory. It's about God's power. And see, if I think it's about my goodness, then I will helplessly fail. And I will be helpless when I fail. It's all about God. It's not about you being good enough. It's not about you figuring it out on your own. It's about him being the shepherd and us letting him be the shepherd. Here's the great thing about this, this verse. It's the great thing about his, his name and his righteousness. When, when I am weak, he is strong. When I am frail, he is powerful. In my lack of faith, he is still faithful. He is still good. Even though I, and fill in the blank, whatever it might be, even though I, he is still good. And, and as we realize that in faith, as our eyes are lifted to him, our hearts are then overwhelmed by the joy that he gives. And we overflow with obedience that will then lift him higher. You see, as God is elevated, people can, can overflow with joy because God's in the rightful place as God, as the good shepherd And that all good things come from him. So we ought to elevate him. And we do that in our humility. And we do that as we overflow with obedience and walk on straight paths. Psalm 79.9 says this, God of our salvation, to cry out, God of our salvation, help us for the glory of your name. God, help us. You need to be the salvation. Help us for the glory of your name. Because when you help us, who are weak and have been humbled by our circumstances, when you help us, when we trust in you in faith, when you help us, people see your salvation in a big way. Rescue us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. 
I want to read a, a short passage here out of Ezekiel. And, and I want you to read this full passage later on. It's on the sermon notes that are on, online. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 22 through 36 is the full on. And actually, there's more to it, but, but read that. I'm just going to read 22 and 23. And I want to give you the why. Why is this important that God's name is elevated? What, what's so great about his name? What, why do that? Ezekiel 36, 22 through 36. Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you profaned among them. The nations, here you go, this is the why. The nations will know that I am the Lord. This is the Lord's declaration. When I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. It's an amazing thing. And, and he goes in, he talks about, I'm, I'm going to take, take you from the nations and, and all these countries and I'll bring you into your own land. I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. I'll cleanse you from your impurities and from your idols. And I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. God is saying, I'm going to change you and transform you. And then you're going to overflow in obedience. And as you overflow in, your obe in obedience, you're going to be my sheep, my people. And as you do that, the nations will know that I am the Lord. That's so important, this anchor. And what's so special about Psalm 23 is his great name. As we see the comfort and love and care and nourishment and refreshment and rest we find in him, it's in him. And then out of that refreshment and renewal, that salvation, that change, that new heart, comes obedience, following him on right paths. And it comes celebration over his victory. And it comes you and I dwelling with him forever. You see, we don't get to make our own dwelling place. He's going to prepare a place for us, and it's going to be with him where he is central, where he sits and rules and reigns on a throne. It's all about him. It's about his great name. So when you and I yield our hearts to his righteousness first because we need it and we're helpless and we're desperate for it, we, we're filled with it. Then we follow him obediently so that his great name is lifted up, that it is elevated. Acts 4, 12 says this about Jesus. There's salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. It's only always been about Jesus, about his great name, about him being seen, and about his righteousness being put on display and extended to all that those who trust him in faith would have a righteousness not of their own, but they would be cleansed and clean because of the good shepherd's sacrifice that he lays down his life for the sheep. So listen, friends, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Embrace through faith the righteousness and the righteous life that he extends and leads us to. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your great name. I thank you that you are fully righteous and you, God, you just demonstrate your righteousness and you extend your righteousness. And God, as we trust you in faith, you lead us on paths of righteousness. God, help us to do that so we keep central and keep elevated and lifted high the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. We ask you and praise you in Jesus' name.
Amen.